Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini, glad you're listening. The goal of these podcasts is to be a sort of an online support group where you can get good information and ideas about a variety of subjects about being a parent of a special needs child. If you've had a chance to join a support group, you know that they're going to be a great resource on how to handle the challenges of your particular situation. Now, there are a lot of different support groups out there for parents of special needs kids, and you can usually find one exclusive to your child's diagnosis. The great thing is you're going to meet other parents who have kids with the same problems, and usually at different ages, so you can get a wide perspective on experiences and advice on different problems. But what do you do if there isn't a support group in your area for your particular situation? My guest for this episode is someone who found herself in that situation. Carol Lippert started and runs a support group here in Grand Rapids, Michigan for parents of children with autism. She and her husband were originally living in Los Angeles when their son was diagnosed with autism at 18 months. They wound up moving to Grand Rapids when their son was three years old, and when they arrived here, they discovered that although there was an organization that helped raise awareness about autism, there wasn't a support group for parents. So she decided to start one. Now, although Carol's group is for the parents of autistic children, you'll find that a lot of what she did to get her support group off the ground can be applied to any situation at all. Now, when I started the interview, I asked Carol if she'd been going to support groups in Los Angeles and if that had given her the idea to start one here. Actually, I had not. Um, Early in the stage of diagnosis, I started to attend many parent workshops and trainings that were offered locally. Um, It was a beginning stage for us to learn about autism. There was a tremendous amount of learning to do. So for both my husband and I, so I attended, I attended many trainings and workshops and met some fellow parents, and um, some of the presentations were given by therapists, and um, I learned a great deal that way and um, still sought some help with um, support. And so when you came here to Grand Rapids, you started to look for a support group, and you, there weren't any? Well, um when we moved here to no there were there were uh there weren't any support groups that I knew of and um I did um attend workshops and trainings here as well I just wanted to um you meet many families and parents at these workshops and um at that time there was the Gray Center and a couple of other um organizations and the autism support of Kent County was one of the organizations that I came in contact with mm-hmm. um, as they provided um, workshops and presentations about a variety of different topics as well. Right, but no, there wasn't an actual official parental uh, support group. No, there wasn't a, a forum where parents came together and discussed problems and, and things. Oh, okay. So that's why you decided to start your own then? Yes. Um, I, I decided to start one because I felt that I needed to um, find a place where parents can get some support and, you know, where we could share resources and, um, and information and, and as well as strategies um, because um, I feel that we learn a great deal from each other. Mm-hmm. And I have learned a lot of information and resources from fellow parents versus 
therapy places and the schools. Right, because the parents seem to have uh, uh, more of a shared experience and shared uh, progress and frustrations and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I, I wanted to um, have a place where we could, of course, share our, our lives, um, as well as sharing strategies and um, building a strong network to, um, to help um, us feel less isolated. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you go about finding a place for your group to meet? Well, um, in the beginning, I, like I said, I started to attend the presentations and, and trainings offered by the various organizations here, and I became, um, I came in contact with um, the board members of the Autism Support of King County. They asked me to be a board member. They, they asked me to serve as treasurer. I did have some accounting background. So I became their treasurer, and from that, I learned a great deal about um, where the meetings were held, and I wanted to do two things um, when I served as board member. I wanted to start a support group, and I wanted to start a walk. Oh, that's neat. And the walk would uh, just to help raise awareness and act yes. as a fundraiser uh, as well? Right. It, it is. Um, actually, it is. It had started out as a walk for awareness, mm-hmm. but on the same year, in the same year, we had started a resource fair. There's a resource fair for families, mm-hmm. so that um, families can come in contact with all the different service providers in the community. Because um, I know that when families are newly diagnosed, they have no idea right. what to do, oh, where yeah, that- to go. That is probably the single most uh, frightening moment <laughs> in the entire journey of having a special needs child yeah. is when you first get that diagnosis. How do you uh, go about promoting the group to uh, make new parents or any parents aware? In fact, when you started, how did you get the word out? Um, I think that I started out very small. Um, as I attended the workshops, I would run into the same families, the same parents, and built sort of a, a mini network of parent friends mm-hmm. and um, as well as a, a, an, uh, a place where we can have play dates for our children. Oh, that's important. Yes. <laughs> and so by doing that, like I said, it started small and my parent friends were from different school districts. So it was kind of, you know, a widespread uh, group, but we would just, um, you know, take the time to meet and at our play dates and share information, and I felt that we could do that in an official support group. So um, it did start out small, mm-hmm. and um, being a board member of the Autism Support of Kent County, the word was shared that way. Um, ASK um, is the acronym for um, Autism Support of Kent County. Mm-hmm. They um, they like to disseminate information that about events and programs in our community and so i asked that they put the word out that there is a parent-run support group mm-hmm. in king county in grand rapids and they were um, very kind to um, share that information with families and um, it just built from there right now autism support of king county though they are not a parent support group the autism support of king county is a nonprofit charitable organization, and they're 
uh, we are here to raise funds to um, provide programs and uh, and also offer support in in a variety of different ways. We have events, we have workshops, and we partner with local schools and um, help to provide certain programs such as music therapy for the autism spectrum disorder classrooms, the ASD classrooms, and um, help with um, disadvantaged children who are unable to attend uh, CBIs, which are community-based instruction. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of um, programs that we help to support. Ah, okay. So they don't, but they don't necessarily have a parent support group. They don't, yeah. and so that was the piece that I wanted to um, get started. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they provide a lot of support. Too. That's great. Well, what were your first meetings like? Were they uh, sparsely attended, or I, you know, I guess I, the, yeah. I guess what I what I what I mean is, you know, what. What uh, should people expect if they start their own group? You know, are they going to Right. Well, I guess, you know, numbers don't really matter. Of course, you know, you want more than a couple. Right. But I, um, because the more you, the more families attend, the more we benefit each other. And, um, you know, the the sharing is greater. And um, what I wanted from the support group really is to... um, uh, not only share resources and network and, you know, and find a place where we could, you know, be honest and talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it also hopefully helps to empower parents and, you know, and, um, but in the beginning it was, I'd say it was a small group, mm-hmm. but from the from the get go, I I felt that it was important to try to procure um, a speaker, uh, a person who would present about um, pertinent topics related to autism. Um, for instance, um, I had asked social workers to talk about bullying mm-hmm. as it relates to kids with autism. I've um, talked to many therapists who are very happy to present to the group. Um, about a variety of different therapies, mm-hmm. and as well as intensive toilet training, a lot of different issues that our families deal with. Right, and you're not necessarily going to find out how to do that by searching the internet or <laughs> things like that. Right. Sure. Well, that's that's great. Um, you also, uh, I know, you bring in uh, speakers from different uh, uh, for-profit. Uh, medical and therapeutical offices. Right. I do, but the topic of their discussions or their presentations are not about their companies. They usually they present on a specific topic. Oh, okay. So it could be um, an occupational therapist who would talk about specific, specifically about, um, for instance, um, a type of therapy. They have like cranial sacral therapy, mm-hmm. or somebody would come in and talk about um, nutrition and allergies and, and things like that. Right. That's great. And so uh, you've been doing this now for almost five years, or is it longer? Yes, um, yeah, close to five years. Um, mm-hmm. Well, when I first moved here, it, it took about a year for me to really um, connect with um, the organizations and and have 
a little support in starting this up. And but actually, I, I started it up because for my own selfish reasons, I I knew that. <laughs> well, you know, you get as much out of it as anyone else does right, when, you, that when you're is going exactly to a, right. yeah when you're doing a support group. Um, have you had any need for legal advice as far as running the group, or can this be pretty much done as an informal meeting without any legal or financial issues? Well, um, this is parent-run, mm-hmm. and we do not offer child care. Unfortunately, that is, it doesn't always work out for parents for, because of babysitting issues. Right. So, however, you know, it is parent-run. We do not have the funds to hire a babysitter and watch the kids while this is going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that it actually works better for a parent to be able to to speak freely without having to worry about their child mm-hmm. in the next room. Right. So um, it really is uh, helpful for the parent so that we could be helpful for our, our children. Right. And, of course, if you offered child care services, you'd need a bigger space. Right. Now, um, you know, there, there are a variety of places where you can hold a support group. Mm-hmm. And um, such as a coffee shop. I know that this sounds <laughs> yeah. a little um, loud, and but um, I I did have some morning support groups. Mm-hmm. Our support groups are usually held in the evenings, so that more parents are able to attend, and they can secure their own uh, childcare and then attend. But but then there are parents who work at night, mm-hmm. and so there was. Um, a few years back, a need for a morning support group, but they really weren't well attended, and right. I didn't feel that it was very um, helpful to have just one or two other parents attend, right. and those were held in a very casual environment. We would meet at a coffee shop, right. and you know, or you could meet at a bookstore, but, you know... That can get kind of loud. Well, yes, you have the, you have the noise, and you also feel that this is not a, a confidential meeting. Right, yeah. It's it's hard to talk about private things in a public setting. Right. Because you never know who's listening, or at least you have that feeling like you never know who's listening. Yes, you just want them to feel comfortable. I, I would want to um, be sure that there is confidentiality there. Sure. Definitely. Now, sometimes some people can have different agendas as far as what they want to address in support group meetings is not necessarily what other people want to talk about. Um, You know, without giving away anything confidential or specific, is there anything that you can use that could help uh, diffuse conflict situations before they arise, or is this actually an issue? Um, In my support group, um, we have been very fortunate. We have not had... um, you know, any arguments or any type of conflict there. But I, um, in the very beginning, I did um, come up with some ground rules. I did some research and came up with some ground rules as far as having a um, free-flowing type of forum. And um, some of the rules that I brought up were, you know, the, the confidentiality piece. We, right. what we discussed in our What we discussed in our meetings, stayed in our meetings, and um, so that's one piece, and um, the second was um, to have uh, to attend these meetings with an open mind. So, you know, there are so many different um, mindsets and, um, and therapies and, and, and that p- 
parents want to discuss and, and learn about. Mm-hmm. And I try to um, establish early that we um, try to keep an open mind. And we've never had um, a conflict situation, but if there was a situation like that, I would ask them to take it outside or, you know, maybe have a discussion after the meeting. Right. So um, not only am I, um, you know, a participant, but I try to facilitate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we get off the topic, you know, I try to refocus them. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it, it helps to have just a few ground rules about the meetings and, and maybe early on in the beginning you can, we, you know, discuss those. Well, it seems to me like the less ground rules the better, though, because if you start getting way too detailed, then people aren't going to read it. Right. Yeah. You know, we, I think that um, I want something, I want certain things from a support group and, and the other attendees, they want other things. They, they want to, some want to discuss you know what is going on in their lives mm-hmm. and others i feel come just to learn information and learn strategies mm-hmm. um and i think that a lot of the families um really appreciate the presentation because they really learn from it and it is free of charge so right that's the best part of it yeah i think that we've been very fortunate to have uh, therapists and presenters who would come to our meetings and not charge. Right. Yeah, that's great because it, it is expensive, you know, trying to get therapy, trying to get information. Right. Um, and sometimes, you know, even knowing where to go for some information can be quite a process. Right. You know, um, at our, and this is going a little off the topic, but um, at the Autism Support King County, we do have a walk in a community resource fair, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why we have this resource fair is for families to come to one place and meet the various service providers, and it doesn't just have to be therapy places, but there's so many other groups that are important in our lives, like uh, the local, um, local law enforcement, um, the search and rescue department of you know, the, the, um, your local law enforcement office. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, the Sheriff's Department come every year. There's search and rescue and to meet with families. We, um, and there are so many other different resources that you can find, um, such as um, special needs trust attorneys. If you wanted to talk to, um, you know, I mean, I don't think that parents really think about the full aspect of their child's diagnosis. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it because um, there is so much, you know, you're basically, when you, when you first get diagnosed, you know, a child with special needs, you're just focusing on the immediate and maybe, okay, how are we going to handle school? You know, you don't realize that, well, there's, there's going to be issues going through the teenage years into the adult years. Right. And, I, and that's why I believe that um, it has been helpful for me to um, attend various workshops over the years because our, as our children grow, their needs change. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, in the beginning, I know that a lot of the parents out there 
are very well educated about autism. Um, the minute you, you get that diagnosis, you are doing a lot of reading, and you're mm. looking online, but it, it also helps to have support from the fellow parents um, and um, know what is in our local community. And also, it, I find it helps just to talk to other parents, you know, because, like, well, with our with our uh, son, he is not autistic, but he has some of the shared spectrum problems. And right. just to be able to talk to people who have the similar situation going on, right. you know, and then maybe they know something that you don't, and you know something they don't, and so you can swap ideas. That's exactly it. I, I have learned a great deal from talking to parents about what they do, what they recommend, and what, you know, some of the, the bad experiences as well. So um, it, I think it's great to have um, an, a forum where parents could be honest and, and talk about the good and the bad so we can learn from each other, mm-hmm. and really, you, we just need that support. Right, yeah. That's what I that's what I like about support groups so much. Um, so for anyone out there who is considering doing a support group or putting one together, is there any little extra advice that you could offer as far as uh, organizing one and getting it going? Well, I think that um, you're going to have to um, understand that you're going to have to put up put out a little bit of effort. So um, whether you decide to hold a support group at a coffee shop or if a a local church is willing to allow um, a day or an uh, an evening when you can hold a support group, there are are a lot of places that um, would allow that if you would just ask. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, I have, I hold my support group at a local ISD, that is the school district, um, one of their offices, and um, that is not used in the evening. That is a very generous thing that we've been given. But I don't, I'm not really opposed to having a support group at a bookstore or a coffee shop, as long as you can find a place where you are, where you have a little bit of privacy and some quiet. Right. Well, some, uh, you know, the one thing, too, to mention is some uh, restaurants and nightclubs have uh, what are commonly called party rooms, but they are, in fact, rooms. And sometimes I have found that you can get those rooms just by agreeing that everyone who attends the meeting would buy at least one or two drinks. And they can be soda pops. They don't have to be, you know, if if it's a nightclub, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, anything with alcohol. Right. And probably better off not that way. But, you you know, if they buy a couple of drinks or maybe just a, a round of, a, you know, small appetizer or something like that. I think it is well worth it if, it's, if it is just something like that. And depending on the number of people in your support group, you know, if you have a very small group and, you're, and you are happy with just having it um, maybe four or five people, then you can hold it at your own home. Sure. But if you would like to share this, and, and, and we have expanded, and um, I would say on an average we have about 15, 20 people, and we have a presenter. We have to have a larger room. Right. So you're going to have to do some research, and hopefully there will be 
um, an organization, maybe even a therapy place, that is willing to um, keep their uh, office open for you um, for a few hours. And um, But I think you would be amazed at how generous people can be if you ask them. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, of course, now some of the people who come to present... Uh are able to do PowerPoint presentations and right. show little videos, and so some places uh, might have those, um, like uh, that type of technology available. Right now, um, where I hold it, um, they, the school district, they do help me provide with you know with some of the equipment that you need. Um, sometimes we need a DVD player to see some some, some clips on. You know the therapies, but mm-hmm. I don't think that it's always absolutely necessary. You can run a uh, a, a great support group without having a present presentation presenter, and um, those are what um, the morning support groups that I had held consisted of. It was just parents coming together over coffee and just having a, a quick support group, and really, it just um, I think that. It helps parents feel, um, I think that it empowers you, and not only that, but it, it, it really does make you feel stronger. I'd like to thank Carol Lippert for agreeing to do this interview and sharing her experience in getting a support group started. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.